know, we can't do anything about six months from now. We've got to go day by day. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness. There's going to be some griminess. But we're leaving it within the line. And I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. And welcome to the debut episode of All In with Arch Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast. We're part of the USA Today Network, and I am Arch Stapleton, and we're real excited to kick this thing off. It's a podcast for the New York Giants, 1925 to 2021. I don't think we'll go that far back, but as far as what we're going to cover, everything you need to know about Big Blue will be covered on this podcast. And I'm real excited to really get things going. There's a lot of optimism around Joe Judge and these Giants. And I think starting this podcast is an opportunity to really enhance the coverage that we have going on at NorthJersey.com and as part of the USA Today Network. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And my plea to you is subscribe, subscribe, subscribe whether it is on Apple, Spotify, like I said, anywhere you want to find podcasts, this is where you need to go. Now, to tell you a little bit about me, if you're unfamiliar with me, I've been on the beat since 2009 for the record in New Jersey and for NorthJersey.com. I've covered the Giants. I've been there for the highs and for the lows. was there at the Super Bowl in Indianapolis, and also I've covered the last decade or so where the Giants have kind of continued their descent uh, prior to this era for Joe Judge. What I like to bring, I'm all about engagement. I'm all about insider coverage. You can always reach me on Twitter at art underscore Stapleton. You can also follow me on Instagram. And most importantly, all of my coverage is on NorthJersey.com. And we ask you there to also subscribe. It's very important to continuing this content uh, that we love so much and we hope you appreciate So let's jump into it. The New York Giants. What we'll have this show is an interview with Logan Ryan that I did about a week ago. He was real excited to be a part of All In. We talked about a lot about uh, his journey here to the Giants and what they expect for this season. We'll also have a segment about Joe Judge's return to New England for the joint practices, his influence there, his influence here, and Bill Belichick's influence on him. But first off, let's dig in a little bit. Everyone wants to talk about the Giants. So I'd say the biggest topic right now is Daniel Jones in the preseason. Why haven't we seen Daniel Jones play a game in the preseason? You know, and I think it's a new school thought to not have your starters playing in the preseason. You know, a lot is talked about, is it a fear of injury? Are you worried about putting guys out there? Are you going to expose a player? My insight is this, and I've talk to a lot of people with the Giants and even around the league. You have to remember where this season is coming from. This season is coming off a COVID-19 influenced season with no preseason games last year. You had a ramp up acclimation period where there were no pads in training camp last year until the middle of August. This year, there are three preseason games, just three. There used to be four. And there is a two-week period after the final preseason game, which for the Giants is Sunday night, August 29th at MetLife Stadium against the Patriots. There are two weeks before the Giants take the field for their regular season opener 
against the Denver Broncos. So coaches are, are challenged really to figure out how to spend this time to get their team ready. And everyone's going to have a different opinion. Joe Judge's opinion with Daniel Jones is the fact that he's getting everything he needs with this offense in practice. And that specifically goes to the joint practices that we spent in Cleveland last week. I was there, followed everything. Now we're in New England. And these joint practices are more important than a preseason game. And I know you're going to look and say, Art, what are you talking about? This is a game versus a practice. A little Allen Iverson-esque. But the reality of the joint practices is that it allows the coaches who are working together, Joe Judge and Kevin Stefanski last week in, in Cleveland, Bill Belichick and Joe Judge in New England, to control the setting. And what I mean by that is they can put together a series of downs or, or possessions that enhance what the team wants to work on. You know, Giants aren't very good in red zone. Well, Judge and Belichick will talk about, okay, can we set up this period where we are going to challenge you in red zone? We're going to give your team everything you possibly need to get done. Those kind of things are not happening in the flow of a preseason game. So that's number one. That's why joint practices matter. Number two, if the Giants decided to play their starters in Cleveland in that preseason game, they would have been going against second and third teamers with the Browns. What are the Giants gaining out of that other than exposing themselves to risk, whether it's injury or what have you? Any Giants fan who's followed this team knows the trajectory of this team changed in Cleveland in a preseason game when Odell Beckham Jr. was undercut by a defensive back and he hurt his ankle. That started the downward trend for the Giants in 2017. Don't forget that. I think there is a backdrop to this that that the Giants... Are aware Now, completely different coaching staff, but the medical staff is here. I think if Joe Judge went to the front office and said, I want to play these guys in Cleveland, I think they probably would have played them a little bit. But Judge has said all summer that his plan was to use the preseason finale against the Patriots as the dress rehearsal. And it's going to be the dress rehearsal for the starters. Daniel Jones and most of the starting offense, I think the, the starting defense, will play a half. I think that's a that's a, a very conservative way to approach it is that you're going to see all those guys before halftime. And then when halftime comes, we'll see what happens coming out of the third quarter. Some coaches like having uh, the quarterback and the first team offense start the third quarter if they're receiving the ball just to kind of get those juices flowing again uh, out of halftime, out of that break. But for the most part, I think that's where you're going to see. Now, the other big story with the Giants beyond Daniel Jones is the injury factor. When will we see Kenny Galladay? When will we see Kadarius Toney? When will we see Kyle Rudolph? Here's my take on the situation. Galladay, they've taken the time to make sure that this hamstring injury goes away. They don't want any reoccurrence. If they push Kenny Galladay in the preseason, you're not pushing anyone else. So really, what is Kenny Galladay gaining in the preseason? Sure, they're missing some time, some timing issues with Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay. But for the most part, Galladay can regain that back, whether it's next week or the first week of the season. You cannot get Kenny Galladay back if he blows a tire and comes back too soon from the hamstring. I think Kenny Galladay will be uh, probably ramping it up a little bit more in New England, running a little bit, uh, but I don't believe he will be back on the field with the offense 
until next week, which next week will be the first of two weeks in leading up to the Broncos. I think that's a safe bet. Uh, as far as Kadarius Tony, he opened camp with COVID. I don't think we uh, truly realized how much it was an impact. I think it affected his conditioning and his stamina. And then he goes out and he tweaks a hamstring. The hamstring was not as severe from what I understand as Galladay. Pull back a little bit on Tony. I think by the time the season rolls around, I think he'll start acclimating himself back into this offense. He's not going to have a major role uh, to begin with in the season anyway. He's not going to go out there and get 15 touches a game. Kyle Rudolph, I think he will see more time now, maybe come off a pup in New England, and then we'll see where that goes. And then obviously the big fish, Saquon Barkley, I think he's going to be ready for week one. I think you'll see more team drills in New England. There is the outside possibility that maybe they play him in the preseason game for a couple snaps against the Patriots just because Judge trusts Belichick and his coaching staff, uh, but we'll have to see. So that's my injury rundown. One of my favorite features on this podcast will be interviews with players. I have the access. We're inside the building. Well, technically, we're in our media workroom due to COVID restrictions, but I have face-to-face contact with these players. It's all about building relationships with players and coaches. I had the opportunity. The first interview is a Jersey guy, Logan Ryan. He's emerged as a leader on this team, was not a giant in training camp last year and ends up inking a uh, contract extension. It's a pretty special thing for Logan Ryan to be back in Jersey. He talked about that, talked about being back in New England where he won a Super Bowl and what he expects of this team and this secondary moving forward, his relationship with Joe Judge as well. Check it out. Okay, we're here with Logan Ryan. Uh, and <coughs> Logan obviously getting ready for this season. I was doing my calculations looking at the calendar. This time last year, you were still a man without a team. Yeah. Um, how different are you as a player today because of the offseason that you had this year and really the fee- the full season than where you were last year because of all the uncertainty of changing positions and yeah. stuff like that? Um, that's a good question. As a player, man, it kind, of, it kind of relit a flame. I mean, I had a flame lit. I feel like I proved a lot. But it kind of relit a flame of um, never getting comfortable in a sense of I felt like I proved a lot to be, um, you know, highly paid and regarded. And, uh, you know, COVID, a weird year, you got to adjust and adjust to frequency. And I just I really knew my worth. I really tried to double down on my worth and pick a good spot. And I realized the spot is what matters most. And I got really lucky in picking the Giants. And I believed in what the Giants were building. And I believe that they respected me as a man and a person and what I bring outside of just X's and O's, what I bring to an organization. They really appreciate my my intangibles and kind of my personality. And I think it's just a good fit. And I just feel feel like home here. And it's been really great to come back to Jersey and do a lot of things on and off the field. What's, what's your mentality now going into this season? Uh, I mean, we've talked to you all season. The yeah. offseason becomes a little monotonous, right? We're yeah. talking about goals and what do you want. But for this team, can you kind of set the stage for me of what you guys are trying to build, you know, on and off the field for when the games go and you see where you're at? You know, the mentality for me is it's it's definitely um, to be present and to be be in the moment and appreciate what we have. I think COVID's done that for a lot of people. Really appreciate. We really have really good guys on team, like good people good personalities, good guys to work with. I really am really in tune with my family and being back in Jersey and trying to help on and off the field like I talked about. But we're just not taking anything for granted. We're working really hard. We're putting the work in. And we're really trying to learn the game and play it the right way. 
and you know you get rewarded at the end but you know i think the reward is kind of the journey the process and that's what we're really enjoying is going to work and to me switching positions i really feel like a rookie again our second year player i'm an empty cup um i played corner for a lot of years in this league i played a slot for a lot of years in this system three different teams same system but i never played safety in this system so i'm kind of feel like i'm light years ahead of last year um and i'm really just kind of like a rookie again learning the position and really asking questions again and kind of taking notes and really just just learning a new, a new position. It's really fun. Really good challenge. We've joked with a bunch of guys, you know, uh, Julian Love especially. I know you guys become pretty tight. The idea of there's the DB room is kind of who's the smartest in the room and everybody wants to play that. So I put you on the spot. Who's the smartest in the room? And how, do you like that competition <laughs> that you guys are kind of playing out? Well, you know? yeah, that's unanimously me, the smartest in the room. Uh, that's, that's me just because I, I believe that I'm a cerebral guy, and I played every position. So we have a smart group. We have a really, really smart group. So I think our competition is who's the smartest group on the team, and I think the DBs are running away with that. <laughs> Hands down, smartest group in the D- on the team. Um, when, when Joe Judge decides to bring former players in here, and obviously you had a quote that kind of went out there viral about, about what Justin Tuck and O.C. Minura and Matthias Kiwanuka meant here, my, my point – Every team wants a tradition, right? It seemed like Joe has done a good job of making you guys feel that tradition. For sure. What about that helps continue to build the team towards success? Yeah, you got to think about uh, what kind of generation we're in, social media and everything. Everything's what have you done for me lately. Like, you're viral now, then you're, you're canceled the next day, right? And But we play a game that's been, been played a long time, and it's pretty – it's 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 pretty you know it's complicated in scheme but it's pretty simple fundamentally you know run and tackle and um, make plays and uh, go get the ball or go score the ball and guys you know we have to be so fortunate of the franchise that we're in and the rich history and tradition um, being passed down and I think Joe's really trying to get back to that and really respect the ones that came before us and I played for an organization Tennessee it didn't have a lot of history like when we would go out there and shut someone out shut a team out it was the first shutdown franchise history went to afc championship it was the second appearance ever first time we did this in 20 years first time we beat this i said every week we're doing something new because there is no history but you know we have great hall of fame players great guys and we really got to learn from them and they set a standard and a way to do it and they're really people um to learn from it we can shoot for the franchise records those are league records some of these guys these sack leaders and stuff is a you know is a is a, is a sack leader in, in NFL history. So to us, we have so much of the example right there in front of us, and we just got to go back in the history books and read it. And then when they come talk to us, we really got to listen in. Now, you, uh, we're taping this, obviously, the week right before you leave for Cleveland. Next week, which is when this show is going to air, is going back to New England. For you, you have a lot of history there. Mean anything special, or do you just kind of compartmentalize and just say, you know what, we're here about getting better? Uh, of course, it does, man. I got a lot of respect for New England. Um, they drafted me. They believed in me, Joe, years ago. We wouldn't have the connection we have now. I probably wouldn't be here if I didn't play for Joe at some point. Um, and it's funny, my role in New England, obviously, it's a lot bigger. Uh, it grew as my career went on, but my, my role's a lot bigger here on this team. But that means every role is important, just like Joe's roles grew, and now he's a head coach here. So. I know some faces over there, and New England's just the gold standard of playing the game the right way. They're very smart. They're very tough. They don't beat themselves, regardless who's on the team. 
And that's really the little things is what New England's been training for years, what Belichick's been preaching for years. So go try to, you know, try to beat them at that style of game the way that you need to, to win. Um, a lot of those players are seasoned. Those players played in playoff games. So it's a great test. It's great practice because, you know, they're, they're, they're being trained the right way, fundamentally sound. And we're trying to out-fundamental these guys on, you know, on Sunday. So it's a great test of our fundamentals and our and our football IQ because they do it the right way over there. Your relationship with Devin McCourty, you're kind of shadowing his transition too. I know you guys are great friends. Yeah. What, what, what's that going to be like, just kind of seeing him out there a little bit? I, I mean, look, we're going to sure grab food if our, if, you know, if our coaches give us any free hour to do so. <laughs> um, it's going to be great, man. Look, Dev hosted me to a recruiting trip to Rutgers. Shoot. 11, 12 years ago, you know, and here we are still playing in a league at a high level, former corners that moved to safety. He's been an all-pro in multiple positions. I watch his film, um, communicate. We run similar defenses, um, just system. So he's just, he's always done it the right way. Devin McCourty effortlessly, it, it appears, has done it the right way. He's been a captain for 10 plus years. He's been great in the community. He's done things the right way. He's a married man and he's a great, great friend and great role model. And, um, Honestly, he's inspired me a lot, and I'm always feel like I'm chasing him or competing with him as a friend to, to beat what he does and do what he does out of Rutgers. And I think we've had some good careers thus far, and I know he's still going. He's not slowing down yet, and I'm not either. So he's just a great gold standard for any young player. And the fact I have this relationship with him, I definitely surrounded myself with the right people to keep keep striving. There, there's this idea that this team has pressure on it, pressure on it to, to meet expectations, to make the playoffs, to compete in the division – that is from the outside. From the inside, how do you handle expectations from uh, season to season? Yeah, I mean, everybody in this business has it. I mean, head coaches have it. I mean, that turnover is quick. You know, roster turnover is quick. Um, the NFL is truly a year-to-year league. Um, you look at players who are great one day, next year they're traded or whatever it may be. Contracts are interesting. So it's, a, it's truly a year-to-year league. There's no guaranteed contracts out here. So, um I love the pressure. The pressure is something you can use and apply on other people. So I just have to be comfortable with it. And a lot of things that we simulate at practices, crowd noise, wet balls, grease balls, uh, conditioning, um, whatever it may be, they try to make it more pressure in practice in the games. I just think you need pressure to truly perform, and pressure is good. I think you got to welcome it. I think it's just perspective. I think you need to welcome the pressure. If you have no pressure on you, you're probably ain't good at your job, and no one's expecting nothing of you. So I'm okay with people expecting me to be good. I expect to be good. That's why it works so well. You know, it struck me you were talking about, we've talked a lot of on the field, off the field. Uh, I know it's a, a lot more important uh, to talk about it at length, but I, I didn't want to I didn't want to be remiss and, and not get you to talk about the program that you started with your dad. Yeah. Um, and how important was it? Why, why was it so important for you to start something like that? And how long had you been talking about it? Yeah, it was really, I started the Ryan Alternative Solutions Training Program company with my dad, Lester Ryan, who's a you know, 25 years a police officer and 30 plus years currently uh, training uh, at the police academy. So he's been in, in Camden, New Jersey. So he's been a prosecutor, undercover detective, homicide department, FBI, um, you know, to name a few jobs. But he's very well equipped, very confident man. He's been a martial arts instructor for 40 plus years. So he's very qualified. And to me, I grew up the son of a black man, a son of a black police officer. So everything that I've seen in America and been a part of, um, I felt, I felt if there's sides, I felt both sides of it because I understand that the police officers want to come home to their families. And I understand how 
minorities feel in this country, um, systemic racism. So I understand both sides of it. And I really believe that my dad was a good cop and did things the right way. And I believe there are good cops out there, but I think the cops need to be better trained, retrained, more focused on training. Because football is a sport where you practice a lot more than you play. And a lot of other jobs, you go out there playing every day, cops playing every night, but they're not, how much are they practicing? So I do think we need to harp on the fundamentals and practicing. And one thing that my dad, who is a, a trainer and a teacher at the police academy, and from his martial arts background, we talk a lot about empathy and de-escalation techniques and minimal force techniques, ways to de-escalate the situation. Um, so I feel like I wanted to get somebody who's a teacher, who's been in the field, who's really well equipped. Um, if we're talking about police reform, which I believe in, I don't believe in defunding police, I believe in reforming the training. I wanted to put someone in charge of it and uh, who really knew what they were doing and really was a black man out there who's really doing a good, a good, great job out there for the great police officers. So that's why we started this company. We were talking about it for uh, a little less than a year now. And I felt like I had the time this offseason to really go into it and really get my um, P's and Q's right to make it a legit company that can really help um, what we're in and help humanity. And I, to me, I, I really want to help and use my platform to help in this world. Uh, well said, obviously. Uh, last thing, when you talk legacy, you've been different places. You're back yeah. home in Jersey. Uh, anybody who follows you or your wife on Instagram, we know your family and how much it means to you. If I got to ask you, you know, this year, next year, five years from now, your legacy, what, what do you want your legacy to be? Well, it's funny. I started my Twitter handles Real Logan Ryan. I started that because there was a fake Logan Ryan Twitter account when I was at Rutgers. And it was pretty accurate. They were tweeting some things I would kind of say, but it wasn't really me. And, um, you know, so they did a good job. So I didn't really want to be on Twitter, but they said, like, hey, you got to make your own account. That's the best way to stop the parody account. So I was like, all right, real Logan Ryan. So really I want my legacy that I was a real guy, man, a real husband, a real father, um, a real player. Um, I stayed humble. I played multiple positions. I did what was best for the team. I won championships. And I helped every young guy around me um, that asked questions, um, these young players that asked me questions. I really try to be an open book. And I really try to be real. I don't try to act better than anyone else. I don't try to act um, like I got it all. I really try to be an empty cup, um, put the work in day in and day out, be a stand-up father, um, I'll be a stand-up husband and be a great father for my kids. I don't even care if my kids know I play football. I want them to be loved daddy. I really just try to be good in all area aspects of life and obviously helping animals with my Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation. So start with the nonprofit and then the for-profit police reform company. I really want to spread myself and really just be a real human being that is I'm not better than anybody else. That being said, Logan Ryan's not done yet. No, I'm not done yet. Honestly, my best years are ahead of me. I feel really good. I feel really aligned on and off the field. I think you can see. I, and... Uh, no, my best year, my best year is, is, is here for the, for the Blues, so I'm excited. So listen, I'm not sure if we could have picked a better interview for the debut episode of All In with Art Stapleton than Logan Ryan. Jersey guy, he's gone in a year where, as we said in the interview, he was not even a giant. He was a free agent at this time last summer. Joined the team, becomes a leader on and off the field earns a contract extension, and then becomes a huge piece of the puzzle for Patrick Graham on this defense. Uh, and he is one of the reasons why this defense feels so good about itself coming back a year later. Now, the timing of the podcast and the taping for our, our first episode with trips to Cleveland and 
now up in New England. Uh, just pull the curtain back a little bit. I'm in New England right now. We are after the first joint practice between the Giants and the Patriots. So you can check out NorthJersey.com for my takeaways. I'll have a breakdown, the good, bad, and the ugly of Daniel Jones on day one. But I do want to mention the secondary and Adoree Jackson and his status. Came down with a sprained ankle. He was going up for a pass against Jacoby Myers. Uh, Darnay Holmes was also in the vicinity. Jackson came down, landed on his ankle awkwardly. Um, The Giants believe that it's not a serious injury, that after the swelling goes down, they'll go for further tests, and hopefully, with a little rest and some treatment, obviously, uh, Jackson will be back in the mix uh, on the practice field and getting ready for week one against the Broncos. But that brings me back to Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan's played in the slot. The Giants have had issues in the slot. Darnay Holmes has had a very difficult time this summer. Teams have targeted him. Last year, he didn't give up a touchdown. That's a good sign. But he he commits a lot of penalties. He had another holding penalty today. So when it comes to this secondary, the safeties are are really great. I mean, between Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, and Logan Ryan, they have a lot of flexibility, a lot of versatility. But when it comes to what they're going to do together, James Bradbury on one side, the Giants need a Dory Jackson on the other side. Because if he's not there, uh, then you're talking about Rodarius Williams, uh, who is... Uh, a draft pick that should be on the roster bubble. He's he's impressed, but um, you know it's not a lock. He makes this team, uh, and then you go into situations where you're dealing with a Sam Beal or a Madre Harper, or you're putting Julian Love uh, on the boundary corner, which they did a little bit last year with success. But for the most part, that's not the grand plan of the way the Giants want to start the season. So a little Adoree update. That'll be something we obviously follow. And then next week on All In, hopefully we have a uh, further update and the status of Adoree uh, feeling good going against Denver. The overarching storyline here is Joe Judge's return to New England. And the idea that he did not want to take this team on a walk down memory lane speaks to the idea that he doesn't want to be viewed as Bill Belichick 2.0. And that is the national perception of Joe Judge, of who he is, what he's done, and the Belichick assistant has failed in this league. The latest example being Matt Patricia, uh, who, by the way, is now on Belichick's staff again. Josh McDaniels struggles in Denver. Uh, You can go on and on and on. Now, Brian Flores has done well in Miami, and Joe Judge seems to be in that mold rather than the Patricia mold or the McDaniels mold. But... However that works, Judge was pretty clear on Monday when I asked him about his time in New England and would he have flashbacks when he walked out onto the fields here in Foxborough. You know, people forget Joe Judge, Jerry Shaplinsky, who is the quarterback's coach, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, they all came from here. They all spent a lot of time here at this program with the Patriots, with Bill Belichick and on these fields. So it was an important piece of audio that I really wanted to include in our first episode of All In. From Joe Judge, a question I asked him about not wanting to walk down memory lane but knowing how important it is to him to build this program in the mold of the Patriots. And I think his answer will surprise you a little bit. We apologize for the quality. It was on a Zoom audio call that just did not come out well. So we aim for a higher standard. Our audio is going to be top-notch. That's what you're going to expect from us. But 
I thought the content and the quality of what Judge said in his answer, along with Bill Belichick's answer about who Joe Judge is as a football coach, I thought it was important to include on this week's show. That's why we did it. So again, apologize for the quality, but here's Joe Judge and Bill Belichick. Obviously, I know you you personally don't want to take uh, a walk down memory lane up in Foxborough, but I also know uh, you're a lover of history and how you how that matters to building your team and what your team appreciates. Just curious if you've prepared any stories or lessons for your guys uh, to kind of see what they've built up there and what you were a part of, and how much that reflects on on what you want to build down here. No, no, the honesty. Transparent art. Um, I don't try to get too much in a place I've been before, and I, I draw things from every experience I've had. Whether it's working under you know, Jack Carroll, Sylvester Crew, playing for Jim Algio, I work for Nick Saban, work for Bill Belichick. Uh, every coach I've had the opportunity to work under, I draw from those experiences and I learn, and I try to put them in my own personality, my own philosophy, belief structure. Obviously, there's a great deal of football that I learned in New England, a great deal of success and memories that I have. But to be honest with you, that, that's kind of things for you know, later down the line, sit back and reflect on it. That's not something right now that's very important to me. To be honest with you, we don't have time to do that. To me, the history that's important is really the history of the New York Giants. I think it's relevant for the history of this team is reflecting back on some of the games and the rivalry of the Giants and the Patriots, you know, in recent years. Understand the history of, you know, how predominantly the Giants were really the team for all New England until the Patriots became real resistance. And they're still living up there. A tremendous amount of Giants fans that still occupy the entire New England area because that was a team they watched on Sundays. So there's a lot of history the Giants share in the room right now that I think it's more important for our players to understand instead of any uh, you know personal anecdotes that I may have to share right there. And to be completely honest with you, um, look, I'm very careful a lot of times to make sure everyone in this organization knows that I'm not trying to make this team anything but the New York Giants. Okay, I'm not trying to recreate anywhere I've ever been. I'm not trying to go ahead and emulate or imitate any other program. All right, this is the New York Giants. We're going to do it with our players. We're going to do it in our personality. We're going to do it the way we think is best for us every day. We're going to work on focusing to make our team the best team that we can possibly be. I have a great deal of respect for everything that Coach Belichick's done up there. I have a great deal of respect for the players who are still there to play for me. I have a great deal of respect for the staff members I work alongside. But right now, my priority and my loyalty is fully with New York Giants, with our staff, our players, this organization. And I can't make that more clear to every player, coach, and fan that, uh, again, we'll go up there and face a the Browns last week. We're going to get better as a team through how we're going to work. And the folks is getting ready for a game this week that they should help us prepare for the regular season. Yeah, well, Joe's a good football coach, uh, period. You know, all the things that a good coach needs to do, Joe does. And um, he did a great job here for me uh, in a number of different capacities. Um, um, most importantly, special teams. But, you know, he had a lot of other responsibilities as well. And, um and when I gave him something to do, he did a good job of it. And, and so that led to, you know, other things. And, you know, he's, I think, a very just accomplished football coach. He has a good understanding of the game and, and how to coach it. So that's where we're at with the New York Giants. Uh, maybe it's poetic that they finished the preseason in New England against the Patriots. We know the greatest memories for Giants fans over the last – decade and a half have come against the Patriots. So poetic, symbolic, however you want to say it, uh, Joe Judge takes his team up to New England. They see Bill Belichick in a big sign of respect uh, between those two. That will obviously be a storyline moving forward. So that'll wrap it up for this week's 
edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast. Uh, had a great time doing it. We're going to continue to evolve. There's no status quo here. So we want feedback from you. We want to hear what you liked, what you didn't like. We have plans on making it more of an interactive show uh, in a segment uh, to accept questions from you. Mail it in is what we're going to call it. Uh, make sure you reach out to me on Twitter at art underscore Stapleton. Uh, so before I get out of here, it'll be another plea. Please follow along our coverage on NorthJersey.com as part of the USA Today Network. Subscribe if you can. I'll obviously have more details on subscriptions as we move forward. In terms of All In, we are coming up with names for the podcast. All In just seemed perfect. And there's a lot to go in for All In. You know, obviously, the All In from 2011 brought to you by someone I covered in high school as a basketball player at Manchester Regional. John Paul Gonzalez was working as the assistant chaplain with the Giants, came up with the all-in story. I'm sure everyone remembers the poker chip that led to that Super Bowl run, 46, to beat the Patriots. So that's also an all-in. But we also remembered it was a nice touch, I thought, as a tribute uh, to the late Jim Fossil, who passed away earlier this summer. Obviously, Fossil's defining moment as a giant, in addition to all the off-the-field work he did surrounding 9-11, was his poker chip reference, pushing all his chips to the table. So it hits another moment uh, in Giants lore. So those are kind of the two things that mean a lot to Giants fans, and I think it also references our coverage. We are all in with the New York Giants. We are all in with our coverage. Everything you need to know about Big Blue, you could find it right here on the podcast that is aptly named All In.